Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Ollett. This is episode 13. 13 is prime, and is the number of Archimedean solids, which includes the truncated isohedron, the shape used in the construction of common footballs, and is a model of the structure of the fullerene allotrope of carbon, which is carbon-60. This week on the podcast, it's Maths History Week, and we hear from Nolan Bradshaw of the University of Greenwich, who is going to tell us about the life of Florence Nightingale. Most people have heard of Florence Nightingale. She is best known for her contribution to nursing during the Crimean War, and the part she played in transforming the conditions in the military hospitals at that time. She is, however, less well known as a mathematician. But it's that aspect of her life that I want to tell you about. She was born in 1820 and was named Florence after the place of her birth. She was born into a well-educated and privileged family who encouraged their daughters to receive an education. She was initially taught by a governess, but after finding out that she was passionate about learning mathematics, her parents grudgingly gave in and allowed her to be tutored in the subject. This was very unusual for this period, and indeed her parents, who desired her purely to get married, wondered, what use were mathematics to a married woman? And urged her to study more appropriate subjects, such as history or philosophy, natural or moral. One of her tutors was James Joseph Sylvester a mathematician of some regard who was highly spoken of and had been taught by Augustus de Morgan. He had also produced some interesting work on matrices with another distinguished mathematician, Arthur Cayley. It is said that Florence was Sylvester's most distinguished pupil. Florence was a very intelligent young woman with a strong Christian faith and a keen sense of social justice. She tutored children in mathematics before entering the nursing profession in 1850. She seems to have taken her responsibilities as tutor very seriously, and this can be seen from some of her lesson plans, which are on display in the British Museum. She includes reminders to tell pupil teachers to write notes of all the lessons that they will give through the next week. They must never give them unprepared. Of what will they say? Tell them that you prepare yourself. They also show concern for the education of girls. Girls' arithmetic has been neglected. Their geography should be made arithmetical. One of the most fascinating quotes concerns questions that she intended to ask her pupils. How high is the reindeer? Are you as high? How high are you? Three feet. How much is that? A yard? How far to the topmost point of Europe from the equator? How far do you come to school? Two miles. Now, if you were to walk two geographical miles a day, how long should you be walking to the equator? These questions show how she was trying to enable the children to think and to use their mathematics to solve real-life problems. Florence also taught poor children at the Ragged School in Westminster. The experience opened her eyes to poverty. 
She had strong views about education and longed to make it accessible to all and play an active part in it. But continually she came up against people's disapproval. She said, if only education could be conducted without reference to what people think or do not think, but only to abstract right and wrong, what a difference it would make. I am sure that if Florence had been allowed to speak into the education system of the day, she would have had a significant impact in the same way as she did in nursing. Although accounts of her nursing reforms are well documented, people fail to realise that it was her mathematical ability and background that helped her to accomplish everything she did. Having eventually been allowed to train as a nurse, she was asked to go to Turkey in 1854 to oversee the introduction of nurses to the medical hospitals over there. Her position was entitled Superintendent of the Female Nursing Establishment of the English General Hospitals in Turkey. During her time there, she collected masses of medical data and organised a record-keeping system that was much better than what they had in place before. She then used this data to calculate the mortality rate in the hospitals. She showed that if sanitary conditions improved, then the mortality rate would, would decrease. Indeed, by 1855, the mortality rate had dropped from 60 to 42.7%. And astonishingly, later that year, it dropped further to just 2.2%. Florence presented her data in polar area diagrams, or coxcombs as she called them. They looked a bit similar to pie charts in that each diagram contained a number of coloured wedges measured from the centre as a common point. Each wedge was split into sections representing deaths from contagious diseases, wounds and other causes. These were coloured blue, red and black respectively and were drawn in proportion. Thus, from these diagrams, it was easy to see that by far the largest cause of death were contagious diseases, such as cholera and typhus. Thus, she realised that if you could prevent the spread of these diseases, you would lower the mortality rate. And this is indeed what Florence did by putting into practice new regimes for sanitation and avoiding cross-contamination. Such a dramatic decrease in the number of deaths had a significant effect on the war. Had the mortality rate continued to rise, as it would have done had it not been for Florence's intervention, then it is likely that the whole of the British army would have been wiped out by disease alone. After the war, on her return to London, she used her hospital statistics to press the case for sanitary reform in all military hospitals, having realised that these poor conditions were not just present on the field. She calculated that soldiers aged 20 to 35 during peacetime had twice the mortality rate of civilians. She gained the attentions of Queen Victoria and the current Prime Minister, Lord Palmerston, and was granted an official inquiry. This led to the establishment of the Royal Commission on the Health of the Army and enabled her to become the first woman to be elected as a Fellow of the Royal Statistical Society in 1858. Her passion for education and training 
also motivated her to open the Nightingale Training School and Home for Nurses based at St Thomas's Hospital in London. Without her strong mathematical background, it is likely that this woman would not have been so successful in her endeavours. And I am left wondering what she would think of the mathematical background of some of today's school leavers. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. In December, Noel Ann and I spoke at the Christmas meeting of the British Society for the History of Mathematics. I stumbled quickly through some of the background to the podcast, and then Noel Ann gave an interesting account of her experience of recording these podcasts. Afterwards, I received a nice email from Robin Whitty, who has put a link to the podcast on his Theorem of the Day website. I'll put a link for you to check that out in the show notes. If you'd like to recommend the podcast, that'd be really great. Uh, You can tell people they can find out about the podcast, listen to all the previous episodes, and read show notes with links to further reading for each episode by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. Thank you for listening.